You're listening to Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation. My name's Natalia Anderson and I'm a presenter, content creator and DJ. I'll be talking with female, intersex, non-binary and trans musicians and DJs based in Switzerland. Helvetia Rocked is a Swiss association focusing on gender equality in the music industry. Through its grassroots projects such as producing, DJing, band workshops and songwriting camps, it offers platforms for young people of all levels to discover music and be a part of an empowering community. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. Hi everyone, welcome to episode three of Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation. In this episode, I chat with Laura Livers, who is an amazingly talented pianist and composer. She's the founder of the experimental pop group Duo Frida, alongside cellist Lana Kostik. And she also coaches a songwriting camp. In this episode, we talk about what it takes to study music to a high level, getting over the embarrassment of showing your work, And she gives us some great practical advice when it comes to ownership of songs when collaborating with other artists. Laura also shares her music from her solo project, as well as a track from Duo Frida. She also answers an audience question. And don't forget, if you have a question for one of our coaches, simply send a direct message to Helvetia Rocked on Instagram. In the meantime, here's my conversation with Laura Livers. Hi, this is Laura Livers and you are listening to Helvetia Rock to Musicians in Conversation. Hello Laura, thank you so much for joining me here today on Helvetia Rock Musicians in Conversation. Let's get on to my very first question that I ask everyone. Uh, let's Let me ask you, how did you get started on your musical journey? Um, I think the fact that I'm a musician is a bit of a fluke because my family does not contain any musicians. Super, super working class, super, you know, having a steady job makes you a good person. And then, yeah, for some reason, I just got super obsessed with music. When I was little, we always had to visit like an aunt and an uncle and they had a big house and they had three children and they had a music room. So I didn't, I just didn't like them very much. So whenever I had to go there, I would say hello and we would eat together and then I would go into the music room and just play on the piano. And when I was six, my father told me, um, I have to tidy up my room and I have to clear this entire wall and he didn't tell me why. And then the doorbell rang and these two huge men entered our tiny apartment and plonked down a piano in my tiny room. Like I had to give up my desk to have the piano in my room because turns out the piano I was playing at at my aunt's house was actually my mother's piano that she inherited from her godmother. And they put it in my room and I started I'm playing. And I just <laughs> Yeah. That's amazing. I just stopped. Absolutely love that story. <laughs> so it's, uh, I also find it interesting as well when people, like you said, you come from like a family that isn't very musical. Did they ever v- visualize that you would go so far with music? 
I don't think so. Um, as much as my parents always loved the fact that they could introduce me as the daughter, you know, the one who plays the piano so well, um, just as much they tried to convince me not to put everything onto music and like study economics or become a teacher or do anything. And I was like, no, not doing that. And um, I, I went to study classical piano and I paid for it myself. Um, I always had a job paying for it because that was kind of the understanding um, that if I want to do this, I have to do it myself. So I just figured, let's go for it. Yeah. <laughs> I think so many people can really take something from that. You really just said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And then using your own resources, you know, I think that is something that can encourage other people. Absolutely. Because, I mean, being a musician or even just an artist, people always tell you, you will never make any money. Life will be super stressful. You will never be successful. So why do it? And I just looked around and saw people, people doing it. I mean, we all grow up with knowing artists, uh, or even just consuming their art and knowing those people exist. So they made it work somehow. And I figured growing up in Switzerland, I mean, life is privileged here. Even, even if I'm not successful, even if I don't make any money, there's so much to fall back on just to help me get a leg up that I just, I just, yeah, I decided after graduating high school, I'm, I'm going to go for this and I see how far I get and if I can manage this. And of course, it was it was super hard because I had to figure it out myself. My uh, my parents didn't go to university. My parents didn't graduate like high school in that sense, you know, with a different school system here. So to them, even just me and my siblings actually studying something, continuing going to school was a bit strange and they couldn't help us with this. And then me doing music was just as if I were from a different universe. And I try to explain it to them many times what, what this means, you know, the, especially in classical music, the practicing eight hours a day, never having a day off, just being completely immersed in this. And I don't think they really understand it, but we're sort of at this status quo where it's like, I know you don't understand, you know you don't understand, so we don't have to continue explaining this. What sort of personality traits um, do you have to have, especially if you're thinking about um, advice maybe for for other people who might want to be going into sort of studying music at such a high level? Like, is there some sort of um, personality trait that lends itself to that kind of level of music playing? Oof. I mean, there are traits that probably help you a little bit. Like um, if you have a lot of tenacity, if you know yourself really well and you know, like, again, I studied classical music, so it was a lot of just doing the same thing again and again and again and seeking this, this perfect interpretation of this song and fully knowing that you'll never find it. So you need to figure out for yourself, how do you, how do you focus? How do you calm yourself down? How do you command yourself the patience you need to get there because you do sometimes practice for six months the same piece 
again and again and again and it just doesn't it doesn't sound properly or like you hear a recording of some great pianist and you go like i will i will never sound like this and then figuring out okay i don't have to sound like this i gotta find my own version but it needs to be of a high standard and then just blindly sometimes honestly just blindly experimenting so yeah you need patience you need tenacity um you need of course an interest like if you get annoyed by music or by practicing or even just by listening to other people then this is not for you because this is all your life is especially while you're studying um but also what i find very important is that you don't it doesn't need to come natural to you I am not a patient person. I am not a calm person. I've got a big touch of ADD. Like I can't sit still. I can't just listen. Um, but I found my own way through this on how, how do I get there? How do I bring my brain to do this, these repetitions? So you can learn it. You can absolutely learn it, but you need to be willing to learn this because the the playing, the finding the right notes, the right fingerings, that's just, that's easy. It's the rest <laughs> that is difficult to find. As, as you're explaining that, I was also thinking in terms of like your own musical um, career, it feels quite solitary when you're practicing, you know, the fingering, the repetitions. However, you do a lot of collaborations and you've got your, your, your duo Frida. How do you get out of um, being so accustomed to being by yourself, practicing, practicing, and then coming to a situation where you're collaborating with other musicians? Is there a disconnect or is it, is there difficulty? Is it, is it easy? It, it is difficult, um, especially as a pianist, you are so used on just being alone in the room. If you play a string instrument, you immediately start playing in string trios and quartets and you know, you play with other people who play your instrument. And as a pianist, you're always alone. Um, <clears throat> so it was, it was actually, I think, one of the hardest transitions I had to do when I uh, graduated in 2015 to even just figure out with whom I want to work and what can I learn from those people, you know, like f finding someone who can do things that I can't um and where i can do things that they maybe can't and would like to and i think um especially because you mentioned to frida um the cellist or the other the other half of the duo lana kostic um we actually studied together for a year contemporary composition and weird niche music and <clears throat> it was it was just a complete coincidence i think that we were both at the same point in our lives where we we wanted to write our own music because we were super annoyed with the music that was around. We both had a big interest in other music than just contemporary music. We both had some experience, but were never in a situation where this experience was appreciated. And I think it must have been like in 20, 2016 or something, we met up for coffee in Bern at the Turnhalle and just figured, why not just do this together? because it sounds like we want to get to the same point and we can maybe help each other out. And that happened. And we just sort of did it together. 
that was brilliant because I don't think I would have been able to do it myself. Which is sort of why I like being in Helvetia Rockt and being a coach because I understand that it is so important to have someone who does the same thing and who will not laugh at you when you show the shittiest song ever that you've written, you know. Oh my goodness. Exactly. I completely agree. Like having that sort of support system, but also someone, like you say, that is at the same point that can share that embarrassment or share the the nervousness of, of presenting music. And, you know, sometimes, you know, even when you step into an arena that isn't somewhere that you're familiar with or that's quite new to you, it's never really as bad as what's in your head. Do you know what I mean? Like, on absolutely. the outside, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ab- absolutely. But I think p- a big part of being an artist is fighting against your own brain and fighting against the programmation of your brain because society tells us a lot of things in a lot of ways and then you grow up and you're this especially as a woman I mean you grow up and society tells you you have to be calm and nurturing and perfect and you shouldn't have an opinion only if you're convinced by it and all that kind of shit fuckery that in in art or in music it's just the worst nightmare and to get over this and to understand that every single person even the men have to get over this and therefore finding people who are in this process of getting over it because they know how how it feels how yeah this this embarrassment i mean i still have that within me that i feel embarrassed showing people things that i think aren't finished yet yes um how and, did, did you yeah. have any practical things that you did to get over the embarrassment? I forced myself to do it. And I mean, Frida was a big part um, because we immediately started playing concerts. We immediately exposed ourselves. We played, I think, around 50 concerts before we went and recorded um, a couple of songs. So we just, we just did it. And because we didn't have to do it alone... I think that, to me at least, that was the big part. I didn't have to go on stage and be responsible for what's happening. Because before Frida, that was kind of the thing. I had written a lot of music for theatre productions and dance productions, where I was the only musician. So I was always responsible for everything. And so when someone would say, oh, I didn't, I didn't like this part of the play, it was my fault. And then with Frida, I was like... I mean, it's your fault you don't like it because it's the result of the work between two people who rock. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You just don't get it. I'm sorry. You know, you got to go home and educate yourself because we are fine here. We rock. Absolutely. But this is an attitude that in Switzerland does not come naturally. Mm. Like we, there is even the saying, this, um, like Eigenlob stinkt. So like um, complimenting yourself smells really bad. So you're kind of, yeah, that's a thing that people, when, when you say something good about your own work, sometimes people will answer with this phrase, you know, don't compliment yourself. And I'm like, how am I supposed to, to be and exist as an artist if I cannot admit to the world that I am proud of the work I'm doing? You know, Absolutely. I actually like what I did there. So, uh, 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, for people who maybe are at the stage where they aren't able to show their work or haven't yet gotten the confidence yet, maybe it's a good thing to connect either through Helvetia Rocked or or through friends, school friends or or whatever, um, connect with others who want to make music and just kind of cushion yourself and surround yourself with people. I think that is actually quite a, a good um, practical way of, 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 of helping someone to, to put themselves out there, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I did, I coached last year in Fribourg, the songwriting camp, and we had a super diverse group of, of women um, being participants, but quite a few of them, they didn't even need that many pointers, musically speaking. They were quite good. They had their ideas. They knew how to work the programs. Um, but what they really needed was just the, the confirmation that everybody is in the same boat. Mm-hmm. And just having this moment of... I can show you this thing that I'm working on and it's not done. And this person would never even think of saying something mean or laughing at it. And that is something that when I was younger, I didn't have that. It was so competitive that I never showed anyone anything before it was done because I knew it would immediately be used against me as a, as a judgment. And while all of the coaches and the participants in those camps managed really really well is just get rid of this immediately from day one it's just we are just here to be to be cheerful and cheer each other on no matter where you are and what you can do and I think that works really well and it is important like empowerment is the one thing that we all need Exactly. Sorry, I had to leave a pause because I know I'm going to cut it there. I might even put some reverb on that and just like <laughs> let that let that resonate. <laughs> Empowerment is what we need. Helvetia Rocked raises awareness about gender inequality in the music industry and supports, promotes and connects professional female, non-binary, intersex and trans artists. Find out more on our website, helvetziarocked.ch. Sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social media. If you like what you hear today, please share it with your friends. Now, uh, let's talk about your music. Uh, I mentioned Duo Frida, but we're going to go to that a bit later. I want to talk about your solo projects. Um, you've got a song that you're going to share with us. Can you introduce the track, uh, your first track that we're going to speak about? Okay, so the track is called Sperlamar. Um, it is a track half in Sursilvan Roumanche, which is my father's native language, and half in English. Um, but the romantic part wasn't written by me. It is actually a poem from 1895 something um, that I discovered as a child in a book and I always loved it. And I have written probably about 30 versions of this song and it never really worked. And this is version number 31, I guess, um, because I just love this poem so much. And the poem is actually, it was written by this poet when he was in Scotland. 
and he um, he was at the shore and he looked out at the ocean. So Sperlamar means at the ocean. And he looks out and he has this strange feeling of déjà vu, which is weird because he's from the mountains. He has never seen the ocean. But this sort of force of nature that he felt was the same feeling he had when he looked at the mountains. So he starts thinking about his feelings and his position in the world and how everything is so big and he is so small. And I just love this very much. The, the English part that I wrote is kind of my connection that I have to this place where the poet is from, which is where my father is from, that I experienced as a child a lot. We went up there every weekend. But my father is the youngest of like 10 children. So my grandparents were very old when I was little. They didn't speak German. Um, they, they used to, but sort of forgot it. They only spoke Romansh. So communication was a bit difficult. All of my cousins up there my age only spoke Romansh. And I sort of understood it as a child, but I couldn't really, I couldn't really talk. But at the same time, whenever I hear this language, when I'm in a train, and I go east and they switch the announcements and my heart just starts to weep because it is this sort of sanctuary I had as a child with the mountains and the fields and the river and just getting dirty and not caring. Yeah, like, like a child, you know, like the perfect kind of childhood I got to have every second weekend up there. And I try to try to mix this kind of together and make people understand through the music this feeling of melancholy, I guess, um, but without the sadness. I'm not sad about it, it's just, it's there. Oh, that explanation is absolutely beautiful. Let's listen to Sper Le Mans. Thank you. 
Okay, Laura, now it's time for our audience questions. But first of all, uh, if you are listening and you have a question for our coaches, just simply send a direct message to the Helvetia Rocked Instagram account and we will pick up your question and put it to our coaches. So this one is from at Nice, And the question is, is it better to write songs alone or in a group? Um, so to me personally, it depends on what the result needs to be. Let's say it like this. If you are writing music that you are going to play yourself by yourself um, or in a band where you are the band leader giving directions to all of the others, it might be a good idea to start off alone um, so you can make up your mind and then maybe for the last part, for the, you know, the fine tuning, start giving it to the other people of the bands. But then if you play in a formation where sort of everybody is equal, um, where you don't have this sort of uh, job distribution, it might be a good idea to actually write a song beginning to end all together. So don't think about it as good or bad or one way or the other way, but start feeling out what what you need and what is the result that you would like to have at the end. And then start thinking about, do you know someone who might be a good match for this work? I'm also reminded about... Um... I think it's that age-old question. I think I've seen it so many times when it comes to, like, bands and things. Like, when there's like, not really a clear... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Roles, you know? <laughs> so maybe the, the singer thinks that they're the only songwriter and they're like, oh, no, it's just my songs. But then the other people in the band might think, oh, no, but we're an equal member of the band, so we want to have an input as well. And sometimes there's some friction with that. But what you mentioned about the friction, you know, that there can be friction when the roles aren't defined. And I have experienced this friction before and have tried different ways of avoiding this friction. I think the most important part is also to talk about it. Um, because there needs to be an understanding with everybody in the room that whatever happens in this room, whether you start at zero and write a song or someone brings you a, a, a sketch that is very far progressed and you finish it, the end result is the consequence of all of the people in the room and not the person who brought it into the room. And that is sometimes something that so sometimes people forget for different reasons. So I find it very important to talk about this, um, how you will handle this, how will have the, who will have the right to say, this is my song, or this was my song, but the arrangement is from someone else. Um, to really be clear, it sounds a bit tedious, but I mean, musicians play often for just, um, how do you say that? For, for like the applause and people um, appreciating their work. And then if someone in the band starts saying, oh, but you can't take that appreciation because you didn't write the song, that immediately um, creates a friction that can end a project. So it needs to be very clear who gets to say what about this and to agree on it before you start presenting it to the outside world. I was going to say, at what point do you have this conversation? Is it before you even start creating or after the song or, or project is finished? 
is there a right or wrong way? <clears throat> I think a very good moment to do it is after the first session. Like if you sit together and you work and then when you're done, everybody's tired. Instead of going have a beer and go home, have this discussion, even have a beer and the discussion. But this is the point where you have to talk about who gets to use that material, who gets to, to take praise for the material, what is going to happen with it. Because it is this sort of fleeting mythical thing that you have created in that very moment that you can't quite write it down, you can't quite record it because it's still an idea in everybody's brain. Um, so it is a difficult discussion, but I find it is a discussion worth having. Because it is a job, you know, being a musician, it is a job and some aspects of it are not as comfortable. Yeah. But it comes with the package. Absolutely. And that chat <laughs> is I think, an important one. Yeah, I think that's such good practical advice because it's probably not the first thing that people think about when they're creating, you know. So um, I hope that... Uh, anyone who's listening who's in a stage of creating or is about to start creating can really take on this advice and, and actually think about it because uh yeah gems from laura dropping gems <laughs> Check out the Helvetia Rocked Music Directory. It's a platform for women, non-binary, trans and intersex people in the Swiss music industry. For singers, instrumentalists, bookers, managers, sound engineers, photographers and many more of all levels. Whether it be a hobby or your profession or both. It's about visibility. It's about community. It's about empowerment. We invite all of you to participate in the project. For further information, go to www.musicdirectory.ch. This is the part where I'm just so mean and I make you give me five songs that you can say are your influences. And this is not to neglect any other song that could have made it into your top five or whatever, but I just want to use this as an opportunity for people who are listening just to get a, a, another angle to get to know who you are. Um, so I, I actually opened up my, my old YouTube um, account that I've had since, I don't know, 2008-ish with this very long favorites list and I just scrolled through it and tried to, tried to find these songs that might not seem as obvious, but that actually still talk to me which is why this list is a bit weird that I gave you. Um, so yeah, um, so the first one, I wrote everything Queen did. So as a young girl, I was, no, I still am absolutely obsessed with Freddie Mercury. I think what he did as a musician, but also as an artist, because he was, he was what we call in German a Kunstfigur. So like he was a character, he wasn't just himself. This entire thing he created was just so trailblazing when you consider the time he did that. And he was so unapologetic about the music he wrote, the lyrics he wrote, the way he presented himself, himself on stage uh, in the video clips. And I 
like as a child, I was like, what the fuck? You can do this? You can actually be such a, um, excuse me, excuse the word, but camp person on stage and still being considered one of the greatest rock musicians ever and all of those boring conservative people listen to that and say yes that's that's good like it blew my mind um one song i have always loved that is actually a bit of a shitty song <laughs> and it's a bit of a guilty pleasure song i guess it's princess of the universe do you know that one i don't know if i know that one here we are born to be king with the princes of the universe and i think it's the soundtrack to like highlander or some shitty 80s movie but it's just a song where like put it on full blast and just do a freddie mercury in front of your mirror you know what i mean so take that one princes of the universe Princess of the Universe is is gonna be their first song on the playlist that we've got uh, that we've got. Just to quickly mention, I saw you had hide and seek there. Uh, yes. Oh my god! And and speaking of like just singing out loud, that song is my sing out loud song. <laughs> really? I would never call myself a singer or a good singer, but there's something about that song that I hear it in my brain one way, as as is, but as soon as I try to sing it, it goes all over the place, as you can imagine, and I actually oh, love then, it. Yeah. <laughs> hide, hide and seek is so difficult to sing, because in the original recording, it's her voice, and then it's, I think, like routed through two different vocoders so you hear a lot of voices and a lot of timbres and like to figure out where the main voice is in that song and it's a tricky song like the forum is super weird but yeah i mean image and heap hide and seek this is just this is perfection to find out the rest of Laura's influences, head over to helvetziarocked.ch where you'll find a Spotify playlist of the songs she loves. Okay, we're coming to the end. We are coming to the end of our conversation. Oh my oh goodness. My I've had such a lovely time talking to you. Before we go, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, online, you can find me on Instagram on at Laura Livers Music. Um, I'm also on Facebook with the same name, Laura Livers. Um, I've got a web page, which is again, myname.com. Um, yeah, that's pretty much my online presence. Everyone check out Laura Livers <laughs> online. We're gonna have all the links in the show notes so you don't have to worry about that. But Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. I've had such a wonderful time talking to you. Thank you for having me. And before I let you go, can you uh, play us out with uh, your song, the second track that you have for us? The second track is one track from Duo Frida and it's called Tropfen Tropfen. And it was, it is the most aggressive song I think we have written. And um, it is a cello and a synth bass and two voices and weird lyrics. And we enjoy the song, we enjoy playing it because it is super chaotic and super Frida. Als ich versucht hab, Tropfen zu zeichnen, war es einfach, als ich versucht hab, Tropfen zu zeichnen, war es einfach.
Stein destillieren, Tropfen, Tropfen in den Fass ohne Boden und dann denk ich an das Feld, an mir wird windig und die Tropfen destillieren, Tropfen, Tropfen auf weißem Stein destillieren, Tropfen, Tropfen in den Fass ohne Boden und dann denk ich an das Feld, an mir wird windig und die Tropfen destillieren. Join the Helvetia Rocked community or find out more, check out the website helvetiarocked.ch. Sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social media. Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation is a concept by Natalia Anderson in collaboration with Helvetia Rocked. It's presented and produced by Natalia Anderson. And music is by Julie Lee.